Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guests today are a ministry couple. They have dedicated their lives to serving God in a multifaceted way. I welcome today Laura Williams, gospel recording artist, and Ernie Hernandez to Upward Way. Welcome, friends. Thank you. Thank you. I must say thanks for you know making yourselves available to share your story with us today. And I know that the audience will be richly blessed. I'm going to start first with um, this question. As a ministry family, what exactly is your ministry all about? Well, it is, like you said, it is multifaceted. So it's music and media and starting to get into preaching also. (laughs) So primarily we do music ministry. We travel all over the place most of the time. Our last tour was 10 months. And the goal is to bring the highest quality of sacred music that we can in order to not entertain people. It's, It's never about entertaining people with music, but to refresh and revive relationship with Christ through that music. And then the other side of it is media. So that's Ernie's side, yeah. mostly. <laughs> yeah, at the heart of it all, like our mission, our whole, I, why we're doing music ministry is for, for reformation, right? To reconnect people with the creator and many facets. We can do that through music. There's a personal connection. There's a very intimate personal connection when it comes to music. And there's a lot more that comes with practical study, you know, that comes along with the preaching and all that kind of other stuff. And then media-based content is just people are not informed, so they don't know what they don't know unless you show it to them, right? Or you reveal it to them. And uh, in times past, you would do that with a pamphlet or a book. Now we have to do it in content. We have to do video content and photography. It's, it's very simple if we can just do it. <laughs> so that's kind of where our heart is about the whole thing. I love the way you put it, especially when it relates to music ministry. I did hear Laura saying it's not entertainment and that is critical because, you know, there are many individuals that is how they view music, whether they are the singers or they are the audience. It's all about entertainment. So I really love the way you package. Now, Laura, this one is for you in a personal sense, you know. So here's how I will start, you know. A little about your background and what, and what drew you to the music industry to begin with. Well, I've been interested in singing for a long time, maybe since nine, ten. The thing most people don't realize, and I, I, uh, I don't even go this far back a lot of the time, just for time's sake. But um, I'm realizing that it maybe you know it can help other young singers. But I started out with terrible stage fright to the point where I said I'll never sing in public ever. Um, So first, I hated singing. But then I started to realize that I actually liked it and over time got over the stage fright to an extent, um, you know, the nerves 
can all kick in at any time. But then I wanted to join the music industry. I wanted to do secular music because most of my teen years were spent uh, in rebellion. I didn't want anything to do with God at all. So my escape was singing and I wanted to go off and just have a secular career. That was my dream. But then I, I got sent to a place called Fountain View Academy. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. For those that haven't heard of it, it's a boarding school in British Columbia and they are known for their music. They have a big music program. And during my time there, I got to see the impact that sacred music has on people, you know, that it can change lives for eternity. And, you know, more than, you know, just maybe a feel good song that can give, give you a, a good moment. And I got into more sacred music after I graduated, but it was still a process of it becoming a heart thing, something that was from the heart and, and that meant something to me. It was a whole process of coming back to God. But one of the ways that he brought me back to him, which is probably unusual, was through singing these songs. Because I, I started doing concerts as soon as I graduated. And every concert I did, at first it was just words. It didn't mean anything to me. It was just people asked me to do it, so I did it. But the more I sang those songs, the more they started to impact me until they finally became real. Sounds like what we refer to as transformation as you <laughs> listen to your own voice. It's, <laughs> it's interesting you saying you didn't like singing. I, I know you mentioned the aspect of a stage fright, but you know, just a little, why didn't you really like singing? Because it meant going up front and singing in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> I got pushed into voice lessons when I was little. And the first thing I did when I walked into my first voice lesson is I just told the teacher straight out, I was like, there's nothing you can do that's going to make me sing for you. And uh, she just kind of was like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> Didn't work out so good for me. <laughs> or maybe it did. I think maybe later I will get back to something surrounding that because parents have ambitions for kids and mm -hmm. sometimes you know their ambitions doesn't coincide with the children's ambition so i don't want to assume but later as i said i'll get back to that as it relates to your faith journey i did a little reading you know to your background and i recognize that your faith journey is you know started at different points so this is where you know you will both get a chance to share personally but where and when did your faith journey begin? Where did it begin? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not an easy, uh, easy question to answer, but um, it is very gradual. So most of my teenage years and into my early 20s, I, I, I was going the opposite direction. As I came into my 20s, I was starting to come back around slowly. But I can, I can tell you the main thing that, that brought me back, and that is that I have a half-brother that I didn't meet until I think I was like 14. And he didn't have any Christian background at all. And for some reason, I wanted nothing more than for him to give his life to God, even though I'm over here running far away from it. I don't, it's weird how that works. But um, so I started praying for him every single day. I'd set aside a time every day and I'd pray for him. And I did that for about 10 years, even through my deepest rebellious times, I was still doing that. And 
when I saw that prayer answered, and I, I mean, I got to watch his conversion from start to finish, and I got to be there, I got to be a part of it. I realized, like, even I'm doing everything I can to run away from God, and yet he's still there, he's still listening, he's, and he answered this prayer. And so that's what really brought me back. And, and my brother and I, we ended up kind of giving our lives to God together, uh, which was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Sounds pretty cool, and I know Ernie is itching to share his side, so <laughs> I would not interrupt his opportunity. Yeah, I don't know. My my faith journey was very, very different. I, I came from the world, so I didn't I don't know anything about anything, period, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I guess I was I was introduced to the gospel through the means of music. Obviously, Laura was traveling and doing concerts and whatnot, and she invited me to one uh, one Sabbath morning, which is a new concept to me and all that kind of thing. So. I know I can make a long story short, just I'll put it that way. It took really witnessing and seeing someone live out their faith, right? It's really easy to call yourself a Christian. I went through a background of like drugs and dark things and being homeless and all this. So I'm a decent judge of character, which isn't something to boast about as I think about it now. But, but still, like as I meet this young person, right, and she's saying that she's a Christian and then she lives that out, it was like really... It was really impactful and it impacted me so much that I started to want to ask questions and kind of know what's going on. Like, why do you do this and why do you do that? And every time I asked a question, it was answered with scripture and an answer from, from scripture. So it was hard to argue with, right? These aren't just arbitrary things that they attach to themselves. Their conviction for it was to, to reciprocate love to the creator that created them, right? To God and you know, that kind of thing. And it's through that and many, many other things um, that really that my faith turned around, did 180, you know, I was running from God for so long, not knowing who he is and didn't want to know who he is. And then all of a sudden I needed to know more and I needed to know everything. And I wanted all the details and all this kind of stuff and kind of found my place in, um, in doing music. I'm a musician myself, I play guitar. I was going to college for audio engineering. So I mix and master music for a living, all that kind of stuff. And I met Laura about a year and a half in. So I graduated with an associate's degree and we immediately started making albums together. Mm -hmm. And it's been like that for five years now, we've been making albums together. We've been married for almost five years too. Married past five years. Is it past five years? Yeah. We just had our anniversary. <laughs> it's blurring together, but <laughs> it's yeah, just, really fast. It's faith in music. That's that's our life, literally. <laughs> F and M, faith and music. I want to pick something from the statement you just made about mm. you know judge of character. Because when I read Matthew chapter five, we are told as Christians, you know, ye are the salt of the earth. Right. And later on, from verse 14, we are told, you are the light of the world. I mean, we all know about light. You know, <laughs> when there's a poor outage, we become tense, we become fearful. So light offers comfort. You know, it offers safety to persons. And of course, it shows the way. So mm -hmm. from the context, you know, of many persons seeing Christians as hypocrites, we were able to see Laura, didn't know her too well initially, but mm -hmm. she said, I'm a Christian. But mm -hmm. you look past or move past her voicing that to actually mm -hmm. her lifestyle. So what would be your message to especially younger Christians you know, who say, I'm a Christian, but there is nothing to show? What would be your message from that experience you know, of hearing I would have imagined many other persons saying, I'm a Christian, but there's nothing to show that you really are. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You would go to the to Paul's writings. He says, you know, everything that you do, do to the glory of God, right? I'm paraphrasing. So what you eat and you drink and you wear and you act and you are, um, we also have scriptures that says, by beholding, we become changed, right? So those things, like those things, you're, you're supposed to literally, I don't want to say literally, but you are to live out your experience. It has to be real. If it's not real to you as a heathen, right, as a worldly person, I can tell when someone's lying. Right. I can always tell someone's lying, right? You just live in that kind of mentality, that world, that lifestyle. You're not going to get past someone that that understands those concepts, right? So if you are true to those things, one, we will see it before you have to announce it to us. Let me put it to you that way, right? And that's exactly what I saw in Laura, right? She she definitely said it up front or whatnot, but I was seeing it in her lifestyle. Like it was it was just compounding that what she said was true, right? She's doing this because it's not not a rule. It's not this thing that she's persecuted under. No, she believes in this. She has faith in this, right? And it's real to her. If it wasn't, she wouldn't do it, right? All these kind of stuff. So, so if I was talking to a young person and they're asking that kind of question, it would just be like, make your relationship with God as real and as genuine as possible. Because when it's real and genuine, then there's no faking it. You don't have to lie about it. You don't have to masquerade about your spiritual, you know, who you are spiritually, right? It just manifests itself in the sense that you are literally, like you were saying, you're being the light of the world. You're being that light set on a hill. Like it's, it's, it's not even radiating from you personally. Of course, that's coming from the God that you serve and he's indwelling in you. And I'm preaching to you, but that's what I would say. <laughs> well, you're a preacher, so preach my brother. <laughs> you know, when I was much younger, I, I, I heard an expression. I, I not sure if I can recall verbatim, but the essence of it was this, that the, the actor, he's doing something or she's doing something that is make-believe, but they present it in such a way that it seems real. Whereas the Christian is professing a faith that is real, but mm-hmm. treated as if it is not something real. So the idea of fake and real we need to make sure that our faith is real because there, there is so much fake news, you know, quote unquote, that is out there. So many fake Christians or fake religious personal, but we need to be real. That's what I have gathered from what you have just shared. A question that I will I move to has to do with impact of ministry because, you know, we minister not just, as you'll say, because it is something I, I want to do, but we look forward to our ministry making an impact i can share from personal experience you know, i've not been following laura for a long time but i've listened to a few of her songs and i've also listened to a presentation that you both did it made an impact on my life so as it relates to your ministry what kind of impact can you see your ministry is having on the lives of those you minister unto well, <laughs> some of my favorite things to hear from people is when it's kids. I get a lot of parents that send me videos of their kids, like singing the songs at the top of their lungs, telling me that they've already memorized every word, things like that. Like that to me is the best thing. And as like a side note, it's, it's always interesting to me because there's a lot of, uh, of the negative side that can come with doing ministry and a lot of drama and just critical people like a lot of things happen some days you can get really discouraged by that sometimes it just seems like it really gets poured on 
And it seems like it's in those most discouraging days that the most encouraging testimonies come in. I think God plants it that way on purpose to be like, hey, don't forget, it's always worth it, you know? But those are like the best things to me. But just, you know, there's just so many different things. Hearing from people that say that, you know, they're in the hospital going through cancer, possibly not going to live through it. And they just keep playing a certain song over and over that just kind of just re-encourages them every day, things like that. Yeah, that's gonna sound weird, but I don't think you can measure it's like success when it comes to ministry. Like we can, sure, we can be like, oh, we had this many baptisms, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean anything because faith is continual. It doesn't just end and finish there, right? With someone getting baptized and now they're a Christian, right? No, it's a lifelong thing. So you, it's hard to measure. But I know at least from what we've been doing, what we've been seeing in our, in our ministry, the impact is that people are going back to their first love, right? What really got them connected with God in the first place, why they have loved God in the first place, and why they've tried to, you know, have fallen away, and all the reasons why to come running back to him. That's the biggest thing I think we've seen. Um, from talking to people and, and doing the concerts that we're doing and the things that we're sharing. It's just the world is so distractive, right? There's so much on a lot of our shoulders and the things are out of our control. And we kind of forget that God is there to help us. He's there to provide for us. He's already made a way out of all those problems, but we have to lean on him. And it's hard to lean on him when you've spent so much time away from him. But of course, when you do, he will embrace you you know, you know, prodigal son kind of thing. He will come and you can come into his house always. You say it sounds weird. Sometimes I say the very same thing. It sounds weird to me because it's true that it's difficult to really measure impact. I ask, you know, just for the context, you know, you're, you're doing ministry, you'd love to see lives change. So, you know, you'd have experienced some of this, but going back to something you said, Laura, as a full-time minister, and let me just say this to the audience. They minister full-time. And there are persons who they, they consider music ministry, you know, to be something glamorous. And mm-hmm. you're always on a high, you know, you get to go places, you get to meet people and that kind of thing. But you have pointed out that sometimes there are some piercing arrows, you know, or fire darts <laughs> that are thrown at you for doing something that God has asked you to do. So did it ever come as a surprise to you, firstly, when you saw some of those comments? And then, too, with those comments, you know, how has those helped to strengthen you as an individual? It wasn't a surprise at all. <laughs> um, one of the main reasons that I was so rebellious through growing up and didn't want anything to do with God is because I was very well acquainted with the hypocrisy in the backstabbing and and those things that can go on among Christians, Mm. very well acquainted with that. So it didn't come as a surprise at all. The difference now is just that I realized that I cannot equate that to true Christianity and to who God is, because that's how I'm seeing God. Now I realize that, you know, I got to, I look at him regardless of how people are acting. And so that changes my response to it. But yeah, no, no surprise. I think there was another part to your question. I don't remember what it was, though. Yeah, the other part has to do with how has those experiences helped to strengthen your faith? So, <laughs> <some thick> <laughs> yeah, um, 
it's getting easier as time goes on. Um, it is the hardest part of ministry for me because my personality is one that wants to please people. It doesn't like controversy, um, <laughs> always wants to fix things. And so it's really hard for my personality to take things like that, especially if you can't fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had it hit me really hard a couple of years ago. It just seemed like I just, it took everything, you know, everything I spent days sitting on the floor just crying like, i can't do this anymore you know kind of thing uh to be bluntly honest <laughs> um but those experiences what it taught me more than anything else and i'll never forget it is in those moments when i'm just like i can't take this anymore like it doesn't matter what i do you know people just you know you can't please them they've always got to cause there's always a problem you know this kind of stuff and even though that's not the majority it can start to feel it that way sometimes but I realized like, how, how does God feel, you know, when no matter what he does, you know, he's always, you know, trying to, to work in our behalf and he gives us all these blessings and all these things. And, and we as a people are constantly attacking him or doubting him, doing all these things and, and how frustrated he must feel, but yet continues to always love us. He never gives up on us. He's always you know, just continues to strive with us. And, and I realized like, how, how can I not, how could I give up, right? Doing what God has called me to do because of something like this, it's like, no. <laughs> All right, good answer. I'm gonna just throw another one at you, Laura, before I go back to Ernie. Don't want to keep him <laughs> quiet for too long. <laughs> but in terms of your ministry, do you collaborate with others? And if not, you know, who is one gospel artist that you would look forward to collaborating with in the future? Um, I do some collaborations, yeah. I don't, I can't do as many as I'd like to. Uh, so there's a lot of times that I have to say, no, I just can't take on any more projects. But if I can, I do like to collaborate. And I've gotten to collaborate with a lot of good friends. It's been so much fun. Uh, gospel artists. Mm. Hmm. That's a that's a hard one. I've I've gotten to record with a lot of people that I I really look up to in the in gospel music. Honestly, I I've had a dream <laughs> since I was like ten years old that I've always wanted to sing with Josh Groban. He's not a gospel artist, and I don't know why this is. I think because his music is actually where it started for me, where I started actually starting to to love singing and wanting to do music. Mm -hmm. So. I always look back on like, that's how it started. And I just kind of have this attachment to it. And I've always wanted to sing a song with him. So it's to this day, that's still the case. <laughs> Dreams do come true, as Walt Disney would say. Your dream can come true if you have the courage to pursue it. So for, you know, Ernie, as a new convert, I imagine within the last seven or eight years, that's when you came to the faith. So how did you... I would say actively pursue your own spiritual growth because I listened to you today and you sound like a seasoned. Uh, <laughs> how how did you actively or how do you continue to actively pursue your own spiritual growth? Yeah, that comes with doing ministry. Like you were just talking to Laura about, you know, the hardships that come with literally doing anything public. Right? There's always there's always a outside voice trying to discourage you from what you're doing. That very quickly makes you reevaluate. Not only what you're doing, but what you're teaching, it forces you to, you know, to 
see all the cracks in your you know judgment about you know, this scripture or that or this theme for a concert or that theme. So in in a way, like having people nitpick also makes you better because then you go into greater detail, you have a longer study, all that kind of stuff. Or in Laura's case, you know, when you do music this specific way, you do it in a different way that's even that much more impactful. Like it just to have obstacles make you better. Let me put it that way. My personal spiritual growth, I mean, I went from zero to a hundred real fast, like <laughs> <laughs> real fast. And quite literally, I would say the thing that has that has catapulted that, that you know, that slingshot of that whole progression is having the spirit of prophecy. Like it's, it, it sounds so simple, but for a convert like myself, when I meet someone like Laura that has been exposed to the Bible, you know, all these names of characters that I can't pronounce and themes and history, like I'm way behind the curve. But when I pick up those books and it's in plain English and it follows a, a very good timeline that's straight through and gives you all the highlights and the hard points that, that are very essential to your spiritual growth, that's where I excelled at. And it was just Bible and then I go to Spirit of Prophecy and back and forth. Spirit of Prophecy said this, how can I say that this is what she's saying is true? Oh, check all the facts. They're all right here, all the verses and all that kind of stuff. So I would say in general, that's where my spiritual growth really just exponentially grew and coupling that with the fact that we're doing ministry. So now it forces me in a position where what I've learning, I have to reciprocate, right? I have to show, I have to tell to others. And I was given a platform, you know, slowly but surely as I learned more and more to do that. And that's also just reinforced everything that I've learned and still has me go back to the same type of procedure. Bible, Spirit of Prophecy, this, that. And now I'm moving into preaching. As you may know, that takes you into original languages and all this other stuff. Okay. So now I have to look at the Hebrew and the Greek. So it took me five years to go from baby Christian to like deep dive in the Bible. You know what I mean? And it was a beautiful transgression. I wouldn't change anything. Transgression. For the world. Or, not transgression. <laughs> yeah. Transition, right. Transition, my bad. Yeah, that's the musical ear helping you out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this question is not as you know, related. So were you an athlete when you were younger? The reason I ask is, you know, your choice of words. I wasn't a strong athlete, no. I played baseball and I hated playing baseball. Like, and I was just forced to it. I very much spent a lot of time locked up in my room playing my guitar. I'm like that kind of person. So, yeah. <laughs> I ask because, you know, that dedication to, you know, the craft. Now I can see why you were able to, as you say, catapult from zero to 100 so quickly that discipline to begin mm -hmm. with. I come to the idea of discipline because, you know, there are so many individuals. I mean, we all sometimes struggle trusting God's plans for our lives. But from your personal experience, why do you think so many individuals struggle to trust God's plans for their lives? And both can respond. I think it has to do with trust. I mean, at the end of the day, why you don't trust a partner or why you don't trust a parent um, can really dramatically change the relationship between you two. It's just a fact of nature. So as we've seen throughout the Bible, and as, I mean, I just did a whole sermon on, on Peter, but Peter has this, this problem where he announces to Jesus, like, you're my Messiah. You are the Messiah, right? And then he immediately says, I'm committed, and then falls flat on his face, right? And Jesus picks him up, and he has this repetition that happens to him throughout the gospel until we get to his like epistles, right? And then he's completely transformed when we get into First Peter, Second Peter, you know, that kind of thing. And he's committed, he's like relentlessly committed to, to God. And that just came with experience with just being with him and 
and owning your faults, but also having the strength to kind of stand back up again. So I don't know how, how would you kind of answer that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said, and I mean, trust is built by experiencing, experiencing yeah. and a lot of people are afraid to even try it to begin with, to test it. And that's why God says, taste and see that I am good. Mm-hmm. Try it out, see if it works. And sometimes we don't get past that part. We're too afraid to, to step out and try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust, I think, is the biggest one. And then maybe the other one, if there is a, like a minor or major, if you're talking musical things, the other one is kind of uh, looking back at where God has helped you, right? You may think for all this time, God was never around. But if you take the time to meditate on where God has, God's hand has really been, you'll be amazed of how many times he's intervened, right? If you just took the time to really think about it. And I know that's true for my life. And as Laura can just shake in her head, it's true for her life. So I think those two, trust and reflection, I guess, if you want it in simple terms. Yes, it's all about trust, T-R-U-S-T. It sounds pretty simple. We trust as we have the experience. We will take a short break. So for my audience, don't go anywhere. Please rejoin as we will continue in this interview. So let me say thanks to the listeners for not going anywhere and for rejoining us as we continue our talk with Laura Williams and Ernie Hernandez, ministering couple. Laura is a gospel recording artist and Ernie, I mean, he does so many things, but to make it simple, he provides the sound quality to make sure Laura sounds good whenever she has (laughs) sing. You were speaking before we took the break about Peter and how when he learned to trust God or based on his experience, we Mm -hmm. could see the change. In case some of the audience have never read Peter's Peter's letters or Peter's writings, I saw where he denied Jesus three times. And Mm -hmm. when he became fully converted, he was told, stop teaching and preaching about Jesus. He was imprisoned. And the following mm-hmm. morning, he got out and he was preaching again. So when we experience change, then we really and truly become fearless. So as it relates to your ministry, we know when you have to minister full time, there are challenges or discomfort sometimes. So here's a twofold question. What is your favorite part about this line of work? And on the flip side, what is your least favorite part about this line of work? my favorite part is the testimonies that come in or even getting to see like an experience someone's life changing like right in front of you but i mean there's some experiences or testimonies that are just like man you know like i wouldn't want to do anything else you know you just it's it's the most encouraging thing to hear them i love that part um i love maybe getting to be a part of someone's someone being brought closer to God. I mean, like the fact that we can even be a part of that is amazing. 
So definitely that. <laughs> Least favorite. Um, I am a major homebody. If I had it my way, I'd never go out the front door. <laughs> And I mean that literally because when COVID hit and quarantine started, I didn't leave the house for six months. Not because I had to, but I was happy not going anywhere. And he went to town to do groceries and all that. I just, I didn't need to go anywhere. So I'm an absolute homebody who literally travels for a living. It's <laughs> a ministry. Um, so yeah, it kind of goes against my natural personality. And the things that we were talking about earlier, you know, it's the, the downside, the having to deal with a lot of uh, the not so good side of things, uh, people that can tear you down or just the kind of messages that are just, that'll just wreck your day. That's the hardest part for me is, is dealing with those things because it drains my energy. It just mm -hmm. completely drains me. And I naturally don't have a high level of energy. I may have chronic fatigue. You know, I just, I don't have much energy. And so it's kind of just one day at a time. Um, and that's something that just drains it completely. So that, that's the hard part. But I've noticed it's amazing because like I said, I, I have very low energy and I get headaches a lot. Sometimes I'll have migraines during a concert, which is <laughs> not something I want to do again, but you know, might have to do it again. But we just finished a 10 month tour. 10 months solid on the road, nonstop events. And for someone like me, that sounds like an impossibility. It naturally it would be. So I can honestly say, I know the only way that that happens is because God sustains and he gives strength and helps us to do things we never could do naturally. I don't know what to say. That's, <laughs> that's a huge question, man. Like your best, you want to say your best, your favorite and the worst. The best part of ministry I think, at least when it comes to my experience, is it's not pleasant. Let me put it that way. When you live by faith, let me put it that way, right? And you actually live by it, right? We, we, no one's paying us to go out here and do this. Like, we're not, there's not an orga organization helping us. It's just me and Laura, right? And it's mostly Laura doing the scheduling. She's doing the majority of the performances. Obviously, I'm not a singer, you know, this kind of thing. We're putting our whole lives into this. And we don't expect anything in return and get God always provides. Like, it's just, that's the most amazing part about it. Like we've had our car explode on that last tour, our whole transmission just exploded. How are we going to cover that? How, how are we going to be taken care of in the middle of where were we? I don't even know where we were. Illinois. Illinois. I don't have any friends in Illinois. I grew up in California, like all that kind of stuff. And it was just like one thing after another, God had a plan, right? We had some neighboring friends that are down the way. They put us up, this and that. Like, and there's other things that have happened to us, flat tires. And, and there's seemingly no way I can get from point A to point B. And, and God is there opening the way because we're committed to doing his mission, right? And he's, he's parting those Red Seas and put it to you that way. Good. Well, there's more to that story, but I don't know if we have time. Uh, but I just wanted to add because our transmission blows up, which sounds like a really bad thing. It was. <laughs> it, well, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, though, minutes before it blew up, we were working on an album, the last one that came out, the All That I Need album that we have out. We were working on that album, and we had a bunch of deadlines, and we could not get time to work on it because we were constantly traveling. So there was just no time. And we're sitting in the car talking, and we were saying, if we could just have like 
two weeks. We just need two weeks to just focus and finish this album. If we could just get that, we'd finish it and be done. And all of a sudden the car explodes. And uh, <laughs> we end up, long story short, in a place where they housed us in our own little apartment. Um, we were completely on our own uh, with no obligations. And it took two weeks for our car to get fixed. And we finished the album and the next day they called and said it was done. <laughs> the car was ready. So we got just that little window of time we needed. It's just like, <laughs> it's stuff like that. Like, how do you, how can you not continue in your faith when, when things like that are so, they literally happen to you. Like, you can't make stuff up like that, right? I think we made a whole video about, we had a tree like gonna fall on our building and we were in South Dakota and there was no way, I'm 3,000, I can't help the situation. And yet God had the answer and the solution like, three months before and it's just that's the best part of ministry is it's seen it's seen like where god works and how he works right because it's just so amazing you just can't make it up i don't, I don't know we can go on can about go those on stories on but, on. yeah i didn't yeah. even realize until the 10 month tour was over we got home and suddenly it dawned on me that in 10 months of singing non-stop maybe i had you know had like a two-week break here or there but i never once experienced vocal strain which is crazy because you can get vocal strain in one event but to go 10 months and not stopping singing at all just day after day i just like stopped and i'm like wait a second i never got vocal strain how is that even possible i know how it's possible um yeah that's how god works that's how god works and to answer the last part of the question to make it short the worst part of ministry is is doing all that you're doing putting all yourself into your work and it feels like no one's listening right we've been in some amazing churches and we've we know you know the healthy community there is, is growing and it's going to grow it's going to outlive you know what we just did there and we've been to other places where it was just like we would have been better out in the middle of the street somewhere you know that kind of thing and that's that's the hardest thing because we see that in, in jesus's ministries right when he overlooks jerusalem and he weeps and all that kind of stuff we can sympathize with that right because we know what it's like to give everything and have no like reciprocation about it right and it's not like we are giving we're trying we're trying to give what god is giving back to them and they still don't want to take it and that's that's the hardest thing to like swallow and move on you know kind of thing so many things you have touched on you know the providential care of god and as laura mentioned you're a homebody but you know there's a bible verse that says you know that my weakness is made perfect in his unchanging love. So God does work in wonderful ways. And I'm going to throw two questions at you before I allow you to share where persons can actually connect. So to be singing or to be ministering, let me say to be ministering, you know, on so many different platforms across so many different states, so many different times, I'm sure, and I think you alluded to it earlier, that sometimes there's what we call performance anxiety. So how do you really deal with that? You know, you're about to speak, you're about to sing, and all of a sudden you're squeaky. How do you deal with that? <laughs> um, honestly, just praying. Um, again, long story, so I'm going to try to... <laughs> there's a whole experience that goes with this, but the very short version is that when I was at Fountain View... And I started getting solos in the concerts there. We went on a two week tour and I lost my voice every night before every concert, completely gone. It was so unusual. It's never happened before or since. 
But every single night I would lose my voice completely. And I prayed as I'm on the stage about to do my solo and God would give me my voice back right away as soon as I started singing. And this happened every night for two weeks. And it started, I started to realize God's trying to teach me something. He's trying to teach me that it's not about having confidence in myself. It's, it's not about me doing it, right? I had to learn to trust him and to realize that my voice comes from him. The ability to get up front and sing or talk about him comes from him. Mm -hmm. And whether or not I have a voice on my own, I can depend on him. Mm -hmm. And that lesson has carried me ever since through many, many vocal issues and sicknesses and times where I'd be so nervous, I didn't think a sound would come out. But I've just learned that when I always keep in mind that the ability comes from him. So as long as I'm doing my part to stay healthy and take care of myself, the rest is up to him. It, it doesn't matter how my voice is doing at any given moment. It's it's him that takes over. And so, um, yeah, that's happened so many times. But whenever I, I just I put my trust in him, he's never he's never failed me. And I've done concerts in times when I had zero voice whatsoever <laughs> to sing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Someone may wonder why I asked that particular question. I asked it to transition into something else. You have mentioned maybe about three things. You know, you are a homebody, so you'd prefer to be at home, but yet you are going out for 10 months on the road. You also talk about your personality being such that you wouldn't want to experience certain things, the criticisms among other things. And then also, with the personality and the experience too, there'll be performance anxiety. Yet you do this full-time and you do this with so much joy. So if someone would like to follow in your footsteps, and not just for Laura, but for both of you, they may have similar personality traits, whether we want to call it strengths or weaknesses. What would be your advice to this or these individuals? Well... First thing, the main thing would be make sure that this is what God is calling you to. Because it's not an easy thing. There's no financial stability. There's, you know, things that people worry about starting out in anything. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure that you know that that's what God is calling you to. If you know that he is, then... That's enough. That's enough. Yeah. He'll take care of you. you. You do the work that he's giving you, and he will take care of the rest. It's mm -hmm. that simple. It may not feel that simple in the moment, but, you know, keeping that in mind. And, and I do have other artists, you know, that they'll write to me sometimes and they'll be like, you know, I, I got a performance in like a couple minutes and I can't sing at all. What do I do? Like, should I drink something? You know, whatever. And yeah, there's some drinks you can take. Sure. But um, just telling them like, hey, you know, you're doing this for God or for God's glory. Give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> and he brings them through the same way. It's amazing to watch. But Yeah. If you know it's what he's asking you to do, do it and let him take care of the rest. Any insights on your part with regards to that journey? No, I think Laura, I think Laura kind of said it, said it best. It's going back to what we were just talking about, trusting God, right? If you trust him, I mean, there's no other person in existence that I would want to trust more than God. So if he has commissioned us or you to do a thing, do it faithfully, do it to the best of your extent, go that second mile, all that kind of stuff. Um, not because it's like arbitrary and you, you have to, but because you want to show that love back to 
him that gave you that position in the first place, right? Your job, your talents, your skills, your weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. They can be used for good. I mean, Laura says she's a homebody and all that kind of stuff. And she is, and she's telling the truth, but she's met other people on the road. She's made friends with people that have very similar traits and they feel invisible in the church, you know, because maybe they don't come to social events and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess who can relate to them? Laura can, <laughs> right? And there's a friendship built there that is still very, uh, I want to say, uh, what's the, the two terms? And introverted. introverted. Like there's very introverted, introverted friends, friends. And there's, there's <laughs> relationships that work in that nature. So people need, I don't want to say role models, but they need someone to kind of see that, hey, you can do even more when God allows you to, right? And it doesn't have to be as scary. Yeah, it shocks people when I tell them I'm an introvert. They're just like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely 100% introvert. So don't let that stop you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not a crutch you can stand on. I mean, 90% of everyone that we've ever talked to that are in big ministries and all that, introverted. Most are introverted. Most are introverted. So this is what it is. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> and for those who are shocked, what they are saying is true. I've met a few individuals and they will say, listen, when I started out, I wanted to be at the back, behind the scenes, but <laughs> circumstances, <laughs> the pull of God called me to be propelled into the limelight. Now is the time I will want you to talk about your ministry in terms of, you know, how persons can actually make contact. So yes, Laura, I've said he's a gospel recording artist and Ernie has expertise in, in digital media. So his website is New Creation Media. Earlier, he spoke a little about some of the services that he did. So I want to give you both a chance to talk about, you know, your webpage, what are the services, how persons can actually make contact with you if they want to order CDs, if they would want, you know, to get you to do work whenever you may not be on the road. Please share your resources with them just now. Are you going to try to get us to leave our home? <laughs> yes. we have to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, the best, I can take that one. For the best way to get in contact with Laura, right, is to go to laurawilliamsmusic.com. There you'll find, you know, her bio, her, her calendar. Um, it's not always updated uh, yeah, in advance, but you can see, you know, where she's traveling or what we're, what we're doing. Um, her CDs are there. Um, we go so far to even pr uh, produce just soundtracks. So if someone wanted a song that Laura performs, they can have the soundtrack and perform in their local church. So not only is her, her actual music there, um, but the music that we have made, we've also made available to other singers if they want to kind of repeat the process and, and do music. You know, that's a good, good starting point if that's something you want to do. So of course, laurawilliamsmusic.com uh, is the best place to go for, for her stuff. We both have social media pages. So you go to Laura Williams Music on Facebook or on YouTube. Of course, all our music videos are there. All the stuff that we, you know, are working on on projects and, and stuff like that will be on those social media platforms. Uh, as for myself, yes, you can go to newcreation.media. That's my website. I am first an audio engineer, so mixing and mastering music. If you're a musician that wants to get something recorded, or you record something at home, and you want it to get professionally mixed, you can send it to me. My you can my contacts there, uh, newcreation.media. And then secondly, I do videography, so I do a lot of video work. And I have been spending a lot of time doing work for a lot of conferences, especially in the summer. Um, so getting in contact with me sooner than later is probably better. And that can be said for Laura too. I believe our schedule is booked up for almost a year and a half. So if you're thinking about having us at your church, 
you should reach out to us much sooner than later. So, of course, contact Laura at her website, laurawilliamsmusic.com, and then I am at newcreation.media if you need video or you need audio. And, of course, we both have YouTube channels. Laura's is music, and then on my YouTube channel, just my name, Ernie Hernandez, I have a weekly uh, vlog. So if you want to know what's going on with us personally, I have like 150 or 130 videos or something of like weekly, but not so weekly. Yeah. (laughs) But there's like 130 videos of our entire ministry and everything that we're doing and traveling and all the, all the stuff that's happened to us. You can watch the video about our car exploding and all that, or the tree falling on our, or about to fall in our house. It's all there. It's all all cataloged and there for you to, to, to witness. (laughs) Sounds brilliant. So there you go. You know exactly where to find and you can make contact. And I must also say this. Sometimes individuals will share their webpage and say, okay, you can make contact. And you reach out. You wait a week, two weeks, a month, two months, three months. But from personal experience, when you reach out to Laura, you don't have to wait (laughs) so long. All right. So hopefully, hopefully, yes. Even though they are busy, they do make time to respond to requests. And of course, we have to also bear in mind that when you are busy, sometimes it's not so possible. But from my experience, Laura does respond in a timely manner. So feel free to reach out. And also, I will just encourage you to also pray for them as they do ministry together. It may seem as if I'm winding down. I'm not <laughs> winding down. <laughs> just yet in terms of balance you know in in your lives and i'm not talking about just balancing ministry and balancing family time but also the disappointments that you encounter the struggles that you encounter and so on you know what would be your i would say your secret to maintaining balance in your lives god god is the answer to that right so I said that, and it's true. We've been to places that are, I would say, spiritually dead, and our time would have been better spent elsewhere, sure. But it seems like the the event before, or maybe the event after, is the polar opposite of what has happened, usually with, with something bad that's happening. So even in that, we still had to preach to them. They still needed to hear the message, right? Whether or not they took it and accepted it in that moment, all that, all the work that we did into it, whatever. We were commissioned to do that. God has called us to those things, right? And God has done that throughout the Bible. If you take some time to read, there's plenty of characters that were commissioned to do something. They do it and there's no response, but you still are faithful to your creator. We're still faithful to God. So the healthy balance comes with accepting what it is as it is, all right? If God has told you to go here and you do this and you do it and you don't get the response that you want, it doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about them. And it was about the message being sent to them. And if that's the only thing you focus on, then you'll never be out of balance. You know what I mean? Because you've done your part. You've done God's part. You have done it faithfully and you did it to the best of your ability and all of that. So there's no, there's no fault on your end, right? It's on their end. And that's kind of the big thing is if I had to put it in simpler terms, you can't control how people respond to what you're doing, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in life, it's in their court. But when you go about doing those things, make sure that it's in accordance with your creator, right? And do it to the best that you can. Because when you do that, then there's nothing to fall back on, right? You have nothing to, you can't blame yourself, right? Because you've done everything possible. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) It does make sense. There are two more things that I would love for you to do. 
the first one has to do with, we'd say, projections to the future. Usually when persons share, when they minister, there is always, you know, something else, another element that they may want to add to ministry or change or whatever it, it may be. So as you project to the future, what would you say you can sense that God is, you know, asking you to do just now? And if that is the case, you know, what would it be and then who would it serve? So we're in this kind of cycle for us in our ministry. Like Laura said, we did 10 months. And I believe the tour before that was like seven and a half months, eight. And before that, it was like eight. And then before that, it was like nine. Um, so for us, we have to, I don't want to say downsize, but it is extremely exhausting to do that type of work for that long. So for the future, we want to, we want to kind of basically... I don't want to say slow down because if we slow down, it allows us to do the music side of the music ministry, right? We have, we've recorded on the road, but when we're in a location long enough, like home, and now that we do have a house, that's a whole nother story. Um, we can be ex exceptionally, you know, quick with doing new projects and musical projects, all that when we have the time to do so. So we can't do nine months and have three months off. We need like a half and half kind of thing. We need to do six months on, six months off, and that would exponentially help us to to do more music ministry and then of course help us up to to do other projects as, as a videographer and that kind of thing so i think that's for the horizon that's the big picture for us to, to slow down but to be more productive if that makes any sense yeah but the big thing i guess that's sort of on the horizon for us as an asset to the ministry is we desperately need a bigger vehicle we blew up the transmission on our car and it's only going to happen again with the amount of stuff that we travel with and the weight that's in the vehicle and the distances that we're going and as it seems right now, there seemingly seems no way that we're going to be able to afford a newer car or a bigger car. Bigger, because um, we pull a trailer and the mechanics said near that trailer is way too big for this for car. This car yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen again. So <laughs> that's on the horizon. That's, that's an asset that we are desperately in need of. How and when that's going to happen? I mean, we know God is going to intervene, uh, but in which ways? I don't know. Just keep it by faith and don't walk by sight. <laughs> Just balancing, balancing the schedule. Yeah. Because yeah. up till now, we've done all of our recording and everything on the road. So touring and projects at the same time, which means that your attention is split in half the whole time between mm -hmm. the two. So you can't focus on the churches and the places that you're ministering to enough because your brain is over here on the projects, projects and vice yes. versa. So now we actually have a home for the very first time. We're sitting in it. Yeah. So if we can balance that and split the two touring and projects that'd be good that'd be ideal <laughs> the home looks beautiful and boring from the the athletes you know they they have they will say season their season start at a particular point it ends so if that is what will make your ministry more effective then for sure god will work things out now laura i don't know if you had planned you know to share any music with us or if it's any way possible but what song would you say love to share with the audience? And also, you know, what would be, I would say, the story behind the song as to why this would be the song you would share with the audience? Probably. <laughs> I would probably share Bend Your Knees and Pray, which is an original. An original song I did maybe a year, 
maybe two years it was now. Like two years ago. Um, yeah, two years ago. And this song, it really focuses in on the power of prayer because when we travel, we meet so many people that are going through things that are like unimaginable, like problems and trials that you just can't even grasp going through. And it's just like, what, what can you say? You know, what can you say to them? And so that song is what I would say. <laughs> and that's the song that I usually hear back from people. Like I was telling you, like, you know, people with cancer, you know, going through things. That's usually the song they tell me um, that helps them to be encouraged during those times. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> it's all about bending the knees and pray. Be okay, no 
bending the knees and pray. Let me say thanks for taking the time out to share with us your story today. We have been speaking with Laura Williams and Ernie Hernandez. Laura is a gospel recording artist and Ernie is the owner and founder of New Creation Media. And as I said earlier, they are a they are ministry couples, so basically their work overlap into each other's ministry. So it's difficult to just put one, yeah. <laughs> one <laughs> for their ministry or exactly what they do. So thanks again for taking the time out to share. But as its customer, before we go, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Yeah, um, I was going to add it early when you asked about, you know, what you would say to a, to a younger person. And I think it would work for, for everybody. Um, but whether you're seasoned in the faith or you're new to the faith or you're young, you know, you have parents that are of the faith. Um, at the end of the day, you know, your relationship with God has to be yours, right? It's an individual walk, right? You can't walk in the perpetual shadow of your, your, your mentors or your parents or your grandparents or, or whoever, fill in the blank right? Because that will mean nothing, right? When it's your personal relationship with God, that is everything. That's what's transformative. That's what keeps you committed. That's what allows you to excel and succeed over your obstacles, that personal relationship with God. And you'll hear it from the pulpit probably for the rest of your life that it's this personal relationship. It is this intimate thing. And it is because that's the truth, right? All the stuff that you hear from your preacher or from your, your pastor, those are wonderful words of encouragement, but that drives you back to have that, that intimate personal relationship with God. So as a fourth warning or as, a, as a, a mantra or anything, something that encourages you, whether you're in the faith for a long time or you're young, especially, I mean this, I say this especially because those that are maybe, uh, you know, children to parents of, of, of spiritual background, make sure your faith belongs to you, right? Walk in it, know it make it yours. It is yours. It's for your, it is what God is wanting for you. We have all these wonderful Bible characters, people like David and the disciples. Guess what? They were young individuals that had a personal walk with Christ. And that comes with experiencing and tasting and seeing and looking back at what he's doing. And of course, that's going to come and boil down to your time that you spend with him. And I just suggest that you spend as much time with him as possible because it will ultimately bring you all the things you've ever wanted. Spending as much time with God as is possible to you. You've been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week as we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page, click like, and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.